some of those places might be ones that we like to go. Some may be we know we need to go, but we just kind of squeeze them into our schedule when we have time. Then there's the places that we love to go, and we're filled with anticipation about getting there. So let me throw some places out to you. Let's see what your reactions are. Let's say the DMV. Uh, all right. Okay. How about the dentist? What about your favorite restaurant? What about the grocery store? How about vacation? Yeah, okay. All right. Church. Ooh. How do you feel? How do you view coming to this place? Hmm. Is church something that you view as a have to do? Is it something you view as a need to do, but only when you can squeeze it into your schedule? Or is church a place that you can't wait to get to? You look forward to getting there to see how God's going to reveal himself to you. Which one you think God intended his church to be. Tonight we're starting a new sermon series called Why Church? That we can kind of hash over some of this stuff about, you know, why do we make excuses about coming to church? Why, why do we sometimes put church on the back burner instead of making it our number one priority? inspiration for this series is Acts chapter 2. So we're going to be taking a look at that and, and why if you are a believer, if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, that you just must love the church and make it a priority in your life because that's God's design for the church. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, this was a church that was facing heavy persecution. They were being killed for going to church. And yet, Paul tells them, even though you're facing death by coming together for church, do it anyway. Ooh, that kind of puts a little different spin on coming to church, doesn't it? So let's take a look at the, let's say, benefits of church attendance. We'll start reading in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now, some scholars believe that this was just too idealistic, too perfect to be reality. 
I would say this is an example that Luke is showing us of what can be when the Spirit is working through his people. Because at the beginning of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is descending upon the people. And the rest of that chapter, after the Holy Spirit descends on them, is this, saying, wow, look what the Holy Spirit can do when God's people come together. The virtues that we're seeing in this early church are just simply outward signs of the Spirit working within them. A community of believers that understand themselves as united in purpose and finding themselves identified as children of God together. Because when we attend worship service together, we're making a public demonstration to everyone out there that we understand that command to love God, and here we are expressing it to you guys. That's what it's all about. Because to say that you love God and then you neglect the church, that makes us hypocrites. Because God designed the church, he built the church, that's, that's his design. When we gather together, they're really saying our love for one another is strong. It's a sign of our salvation. It's a sign of our love for God. It's a sign of love unified and purpose realized. So let's look at what worship is. How would we define worship? The early church, it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they met together every day in the temple courts. Worship is defined as anything that glorifies, honors, praises, exalts, and pleases God. It's an act that shows our complete adoration and loyalty to God. It matters because it is a reflection on his majesty, his graciousness, in contrast to our own unworthiness. When we start to worship him, and we adore him. Everything about us just is shown to us, our unworthiness before him. And it keeps him shining bright above us. We are friends of God, but don't ever forget your place before God. That's what worship does for us. When we worship together, it's like when we worship him in a community we start to develop his traits in us. Forgiveness, tenderness, justice, purity, kindness to one another, the fruits of the Spirit, those start to become evident in us. We become more renewed. We become transformed to be more like Christ. Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that our whole Christian faith is about us becoming more like him? 1 Peter 1, 15-16 says this, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Worship is meant to be holy. It's meant to be sacred. It doesn't mean it has to be perfect. It just means that it's centered on God and him alone. It's a matter of the attitude of our hearts and our preparation to worship him when we come through those doors. We live in a world that's just driven by entertainment. We have more forms of entertainment within our reach at all times than we have ever had before. 
things of the world are designed to appeal to your senses. They're designed to appeal to your emotions. They're designed to make us feel good. And sometimes we bring those same expectations through the church doors. We enter with, I wonder how church will make me feel tonight. I hope when I feel, I feel really, I hope when I leave, I feel really good because, man, I have had a rotten week. But when we come in with those kind of expectations, something's bound to disappoint us. Because our focus of worship is on the wrong person. Because if we enter those doors with an attitude of anticipation of what a holy God might do, saying, God, what are you going to reveal about you tonight? Father, I am excited to meet you in this place tonight with my brothers and sisters. Wow, what a difference that would make. With a heart that is open to hear from God, with a heart that is prepared to worship the Creator, the style of preaching isn't going to matter. Whether the music is to your liking or not isn't going to matter. Whether the coffee and donuts taste really terrible not going to matter because you're coming in with your focus on him waiting to hear from him not your wants not your needs not your own desires but just to hear him because when the word of god is read it's supposed to prick your soul in such a way that it just transforms you into becoming more like christ no matter what else takes place in here when the reading of God's word takes place and you're waiting to hear from him, your heart's prepared, he's going to speak to you, you're going to hear it. And that's what this is all about. That's what God intends his church to be. John 4.23 says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Every week, God invites you to join with his body, to worship him, praise him, to be in awe of what he is doing in the people in this room. He will meet you right where you're at if you're open to his invitation. So why are you here tonight? What is this place for you? Did I have to do? Did I need to do to keep up appearances? Or is it a love to do? Let's turn to Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they, all alike, began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. A servant came back, reported this to his master. 
Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Any one of those invited in this parable could have attended if they really wanted to. They thought that other things were more important. Are we allowing our busy schedules, our busy activities, to choke out our obedience to the Lord in much the same way? A reread of verse 24 says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Are we rejecting his invitation of regular attendance to worship him like this? Are we rejecting his invitation to feast on his word? Are we rejecting his invitation to come together to love one another? To edify and build each other up the way God designed? Are we rejecting his invitation to come together in such a way that we're missing the greatest guest of all, himself? See, God doesn't need you to be here, but he does want you to be here. When we make church attendance a thing that fits into our schedule, rather than the thing that we build our schedule around, you're insulting him. That's an insult to a holy God. See, there's a growing belief in the Christian world that says that we don't need to go to church. That says, well, I can just worship by myself. I can do church at home by myself. That sounds a little more self-centered than God-centered. And it's not found anywhere in here. The church in Scripture is always, always spoken about in plurality, never singularity. The church is a family. It's a body with many parts. It's a nation, a holy nation. The church is a flock of sheep waiting for their shepherd to guide them. The, the creator of the universe, the one who built the church, who died for the church, the one who died for you, breathed life into you, wants you to be here. How dare we have the audacity to tell him, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I'm sorry, I have something else to do. Dare we? The coming together of God's children is a precious privilege, one that people in other parts of the world don't get to enjoy. We dare not treat it lightly, church. We must respond with the reverence and sincerity God's invitation deserves. When we worship the Almighty God, it should generate within us a desire when we leave this place that we are on fire, and we can't wait to share it with those out there. We look back at our early church, and they were coming together daily to worship and praise the Father 
They were passionate about sharing the good news with others, which the last line of that, that verse set that I read, God added to their number daily those that were being saved because it had to start with the worship first. Church, I believe that God has a purpose for us. He has a work for us to do. But if we can't commit to being here every week, if it's not a priority, then how can we expect God to entrust us with his work? How can we expect to partake of his banquet if we reject his invitation? The early church in Acts shows us what can happen when we accept his invitation, when we respond in obedience and allow his spirit to have his way in us. All of us at some time don't feel like coming to church. Sometimes we come just out of obedience because that's the flesh in us. But our faith is never about feelings, is it? Our faith is built upon God's sacrificial love. It's built upon his grace, his mercy, and our obedient response to him no matter how we feel. Many of you know our sister, Dale, and I asked her if I could use her as an illustration because it, it just fits so well, and she's such a beautiful example to all of us. Dale has been going through chemotherapy for five years, five straight years she has been dealing with chemotherapy treatment. You know that I think she has missed church more than what I can count on this one hand. And even those were because she was in the hospital. Not about how we feel. It's about our obedience to the one who died for us. Oftentimes we, we go through life and we'll, we'll miss church once and then we'll miss it again miss it again, something else comes up, something else comes up. Then our lives start to get kind of crazy. Lord, what are you doing? Where are you? You're not, you're not taking care of me. Lord, you're not hearing me. Lord, you're not. Remember the story of the banquet. Lord, say it back to you. I'm inviting you every week to come and be with my people. I'm inviting you every week to come and be a part of my family, be a part of my banquet feast on my word. What are you doing? Church, we need to be committed to seizing every opportunity we have of coming together to be his church and worshiping and glorifying and exalting him. We're going to be a church that loves in a way that matters, one that makes an impact in the community. It will only happen when we start with worship. Worship one, love everyone, serve as one. Starts with the worship. Take time to meditate before God and offer him the worship he deserves. Worship is just giving back to God the best that he's given you. We need to be careful what we do with the best we have. I'm going to close service a little bit differently today. 
I'm going to ask Patty to come up and he's just going to um, sing Amazing Grace for us this evening. But I want, I want us to just end on that in just reverence for God, in just understanding you know, what it means for us to be here. And I'm going to ask that we keep this room just quiet. Allow people to just have that time before God. Just in prayer, if you know, for talking, just head out to the lobby when, when you're ready to chat with people. And let's just honor the moment here for people and, and let it just have that reverence for God that it deserves. The sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve how precious did that grace appear the hour I first Grace 